0: So turn with me to Revelation and chapter 3. Revelation and chapter 3. It's an easy one. It's the last book in the Bible. Easy one to find. To the angel. Very interesting Greek word, angelos. And in fact, you are all angeloi. Just seeing people... Coming, um, what must I do, my friend? Closer, closer. Is that how you want it? Okay. To see people coming into the car park and all you guys serving in the car park, those of you at admin reception, those of you in the worship team, those of you who set out the chairs this morning, thank God for every one of you. To the servant, and yet the Lord has given you a servant in terms of a pastor, to the servant of the church, I write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David, who he opens once, when he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door, and there is no one who can shut it. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not but are liars, I will make them to come and fall down before Your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. You read that verse, just look at that verse again. I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. Has there ever been a time that the inhabitants of the earth have been tested as right now? I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which is coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will also write on them my name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Folks, as we Come and look at this incredible passage of Scripture. Do you know that very often God chooses the weak to conquer the strong? It's very interesting. My mind went back to David and how the story of David and Goliath is written in the Scripture. I think you know the story. But coming to what you have been doing and what you are dealing with as a church, mind your step, watch the gap. I went one day to St. John's College. I think you know St. John's College is right in the heart of Johannesburg and it is probably one of the most expensive schools in Gauteng. And when you come into the front of St. John's College there is a sculpture I don't know if any of you have seen or been to St. John's College and there's a sculpture and it's the sculpture of David and Goliath. What is very interesting is that that story is not just a spiritual story, it is a story that closes the gap between so-called the secular and the sacred Every single boy who goes into St. John's and has gone through St. John's walks past that sculpture and reflects on it at least to some degree, some boys more than others. And the whole issue is God came to David and used David in a spiritual battle and a political battle In the nation, you know the story, how God took David at a time with Goliath. I'm going to come back to it a little bit, but you know how it worked that the brothers were all dressed in the military, they were all involved in a war, and the nation was at war, and David's father must have taken David, who was looking after the sheep He was the youngest in the family. He was not ready for war, anybody thought. And somebody must have said to David, you need to take sandwiches to your brothers. You need to go out to your brothers and take them these lunch packs. And when David went, he was surprised to see what he saw. And what he saw was, here was a huge man by the name of Goliath, cursing his God and by that cursing the nation and by that cursing him. His brothers were standing by. King Saul was standing by and the whole thing was in limbo. And David's question was, is anybody going to do something? Of course, they reached to him immediately and they took the king's Six foot five uniform, and they tried to put it on a five foot ten. Didn't work. David said, Give me my sling, give me my five smooth stones, and let me fight the battle. And folks, that's where I'm taking you today. I'm taking you to a church which was in obscurity the church of Philadelphia. It was on the outlying areas. It was not the church of Ephesus. It was not the great metropole church. It was a smaller church that had been through difficult, struggling times. And as a result of that, many times, people who go through difficult, struggling times say to themselves, I can't take any more. And yet, it is God's plan and purpose... And I'm speaking to somebody here this morning to sometimes take the small and sometimes take those who feel weak and to give you a big vision. I've got news for you. God has got a big vision for you here this morning. It's in verse 8, the the second part of verse 8, it says, I know that you have little strength. And I'm sure there are many people here this morning. And the Lord says, I know. He says to this church, I know that you have little strength. But I have put before you an open door which no one can shut. Isn't that incredible? When God opens a door, nobody can shut it. When God shuts a door, Nobody can open it. Folks, that's where I'm taking you this morning. Obviously, the question that you're asking is how? I've discovered that very often when we as preachers preach, we like to give information. This morning, what I want to do is to link information with encouragement and inspiration. And so I'm asking the question Right in the introduction, how are we going to do this? How are we going to be a small person, a smaller church, a struggling perhaps emotion that we might have at this time? And how is God going to actually give us a big vision? Number one, get prepared. Get prepared. Look at this verse, the end of verse 8. It says, Yet you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. Now let me come back to David. His brothers were in the military, they were prepared. King Saul was head of the nation, and by implication, he was also general of the army. But there was somebody in the shadows preparing himself for the day when God was going to use him and speak through him and actually bring him to the forefront of the nation. His name was David. He was the person who was overlooked. He was the person nobody even entertained to fight in the military. But David was doing it God's way. He was taking what he knew. And what he knew was a typical Middle Eastern sling. You probably have seen it on television occasionally when there is unrest in the Middle East. And the Palestinians use it. It's about a meter 200, one meter 200. It's like a leather sling. And in it you put a rock and you develop a skill. Eventually the rock becomes like a rifle shot. David was getting ready in the shadows. And I want to speak to young people here. Get ready. I can remember the day when Jody, uh, came, Jody Lynn came off youth team, and I remember her coming to college from Cape Town, and I remember her coming in and, and enrolling in college. I remember the day that you too said, listen, I've done a sports degree and everything. I want to get prepared. I want to get ready. It was a long time before today that you and her got ready. And I want to speak to some of you this morning. Perhaps you're not on the cutting edge now. It doesn't mean to say you won't be in the cutting edge in the future. Can I say an amen? So how do I get ready? How can you get ready? There are three things I want to share with you as to how you can get ready and to focus on the door of opportunity that we are reading about in the scripture that is before us. The first one is to get ready, every single one of you, we need to get back to the basics and to come back to the time when Jesus Christ himself said in John chapter 10, I am the door. I think, you know, in John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. The story that Jesus is given in John chapter 10 is the story of a sheep pen. It was a, a pen about the size of this, very often it had a brick wall or it had sticks or trees, but it was a sheep pen and it had a single door. And what would happen very often is while the shepherd was standing at the door, there would be thieves who would come in over the wall. And Jesus says, Remember, I am the door. Thieves come in and break in, and they come to steal and to kill, and they come to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Mind the gap, mind your step. There is no difference between the secular and the sacred. When I look at David and I look at his life, when I look at this church and I look at the way it's going to go through the door, you can't separate Monday from Sunday. Mind the gap. Mind your step. So friends, before we can go anywhere, before you can do anything as a church, as an individual, you need to go through the door. Amen? The second thing I want to share with you about preparing yourself and getting ready is you need to take the door of opportunity that is being presented to you. For example, 1 Corinthians 16 verse 9 says, the Apostle Paul says, a great door of opportunity has opened to me. But let me read the next few words. There are also many adversaries. You can't go through the door of opportunity and not expect adversary. In fact, that's all the whole process of going through the door. Something I want to share with you, which I was discussing with somebody this week, is the door of opportunity very often is there for a season. And when it passes, it closes. I watched this with one of the churches I was involved with. It was a church that needed to uh, do some renovations on its building, and the typical answer that was given is, we don't have the money. That is a classic church treasurer's statement. Not so, Daryl. We don't have the money. I can remember as we were preaching through the book of Haggai. And in the book of Haggai, there was a verse of Scripture that arrested my mind. When the Scripture says, The wealth of nations is going to come into this place. Now, I can tell you, if I even told you where the church is, you wouldn't even find the address. How is the wealth of nations? And then we saw it happen. A foreigner sitting in the church one day, he said, I hear about what's happening. Can I help? He contributed a huge sum of money. There was another man of another nationality who was late for church one morning and happened to drive past the church and saw that our church service was only to start at 10 o'clock and his church service had already started at 930 And he said to himself, why can't I just go in here? And what he saw, the worship of God's people, and he saw the sincerity of the vision which was being given, he phoned me the next morning and he said, how would 140,000 rand help you? And a stranger, sir, delivered that money by EFT before the end of the week. Strangers don't do that, when eventually we opened that facility, small by comparison to many others, it was opened debt-free. The door of opportunity, and I'm speaking to somebody here this morning, that God is opening for you. He wants you to go through. The third thing I want to say to you is then God speaks specifically to a church and he speaks to the Philadelphia church and he says, Philadelphia, I know that you're weak. I know that you've had a difficult time. I know that you are discouraged. But do you know of the seven churches, God opens the biggest door to the smallest church." And he said, what I have opened, no one can shut. Friends, who am I speaking to this morning? Am I speaking to the heart of this church, perhaps? Am I speaking to the heart of your business at this time? Am I speaking to a family? Am I speaking to somebody I am putting a door and opening a door for you. Another little exercise, if I had to ask you this morning, how many doors does this hall have? Some of you would say one because that's the door I came in. But if you look around, have you ever thought how many doors there really are that lead into this building? And there could be doors That God is opening, and you have to look for them, listen to them, and walk through them. The second thing I want to share with you, after you've got prepared, get prepared. And the second thing I want to share with you is the promise that God gives to bless you. The promise that God gives to bless you. There are wonderful promises that are here in this particular Scripture, and I want to share them with you. Is the first one is the promise of a crown. Isn't this an incredible thing? To a discouraged church, the Lord says, I'm going to give you a crown. To a discouraged world, when the church sometimes is feeling discouraged, He says, listen. Since you have kept my commandment, I will keep you amidst the plague in the whole world. There is something about the church of Jesus Christ that no matter what happens, whether it be lockdown or whether it be rumors of wars and rumors of kingdom fighting against kingdom, that God has his eye on his bride, and on his church. Mind your step. Mind your step. It's very interesting about this crown. It's a very unique crown. It actually relates to your pastor, and you say, well, what? Is he wearing a crown? It relates to his name. The word is in fact Stephanos. And it's the crown that you receive after you have run a marathon. It's the crown you receive after you have fought and won a battle maybe a boxing round or whatever it is. It's a Stephanos. It comes out of the Greek world when they had the games. And when you won and you were bleeding and you were first and you had crossed the line, they gave you a wreath which they put on your head. And he says, let no one take your Stephanos. Because I am victorious, you're going to be victorious go to 2nd timothy chapter 4 and verse 4 the apostle paul is coming to the end of his life and he says my time has come i've run the race i have fought the fight i have kept the faith Therefore, there is waiting for me, say it, say it, Stephanos, not for me only, but for every one of you who longs for my appearing. Say to your brother next to you, your sister, I'm also getting a crown. And just in case you miss somebody, say it to the other one. I'm also getting a crown. The promise of a crown. Number two, the promise to make you a pillar in his temple. Now something has happened. There's been a shift from the temple in Jerusalem to the temple which he has given in the Lord Jesus Christ to the temple which he is building through his church throughout the world. And what he is saying is, I don't want you to just be a brick. I don't want you to just be a tile on the floor. I'm going to make you part of the superstructure that keeps things working and keeps things up. I'm going to make you a pillar. Ah, but we are Philadelphia. We are on the outskirts. We are not in the mainstream. I'm going to make you a pillar when you walk through the door of opportunity that I have given to you. The Apostle Peter speaks about it in 1 Peter 2 verse 9. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. The third blessing that he wants to give you is a new name, a new name. Have you looked at some of the name changes in the New Testament? Just think, first of all, of some of the names that were given. The most unlikely name was the name of the child that was born to Mary. You shall call him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. If you went by the cultural context, and we all know that Joseph was not the earthly father of of Jesus, but if it went by cultural context, Jesus should have been named Joseph. Think of the names of, that were given that changed people's lives cephas was given the name petros petros means you are the little stone and then when jesus speaks to him and peter says you are the christ the son of the living god jesus says Petros, you will become the Petra of the church. What you have just said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You will become Petros. You are Petros, but you will actually, what you've said, will become the Petra. It will become the rock that the church is built on. Now, it's very interesting if you go to this passage of Scripture that it says, I will write on them the name of my God, the name of the new Jerusalem. Several places in the seven churches it says, I will give you a white stone. it might be of interest to you that I've been to this very spot, and I brought back with me a little white stone. You can pick them up. They're all over. And what people would do in that area, if you wanted to convey a message or something of speciality to that particular person, and maybe you had a nickname for them, or you wanted to Wanted them to be encouraged by the fact that you knew your name. You wrote their name on a stone and they kept the stone in their pocket. To every one of you, who you are, especially to God, the way He has gifted you, the way He has made you, which you can sum up in a name sometimes like a man by the name of Joseph, and he actually was called Barnabas. Do you know that Barnabas wasn't his name? It was what he did in the church. What does Barnabas mean? Pardon? Encouragement. How would you like a name? Encouragement. Whenever you walk towards somebody, here comes Mr. Encouragement. Here comes Mrs. Encouragement. What a name to have. Write it on a white stone and keep it. Daryl, your brother, Mark, number of years ago, it goes quite a long time now, there was a young adult. um, camp and there were about 40 young adults out on the West Strand on a campsite and um, I remember seeing this young guy leading worship and something said to me Lord's got special things for this guy but I didn't say anything to Mark I was walking down one day from the little cottage I was sleeping in we were going to a meeting And I walked under an acorn tree, an oak tree. And there were acorns everywhere. So what I did is I put handfuls of acorns in my pocket, more than 40. Lord just gave me this idea. And while we were in the meeting and I got up to speak, this is what I did. That's for you. Write your name on it. Who you are. And I threw 40 acorns out, and one of them was his brother. And what I was telling them is getting ready, what we've looked at today, David getting ready, happens a long time before you step on to the stage of ministry or God's usefulness in the world. In fact, Dr. John Stott said these words. He said, many people need to spend more of their usefulness engaging in the world of arts, the world of science, the world of maths, the world of technology, and whatever it is. Mind your step Don't think that what you are hearing here today is different to where God wants to use you. Anyway, a few years passed and I got to college and one day there was a young man and he told me, he said, I "I missed your name. And he said, my name's Mark Dyers. I said, weren't you at that camp? He said, yes, I was. So good to see you because I saw God in his hand upon you. One day I was, a year or two later, I was preaching at a chapel service and I was speaking something about starting small and God making big. And I told the story I'm telling you now, and Mark stood up while I'm telling the story and he said, I've got the acorn in my pocket every day. You know what? God grows oak trees out of acorns. Now I don't, I don't know if you think that's profound, but it is incredibly profound. One of the things I've learned in ministry over the years that I've been in ministry, is we're not all on the same page all the time. Some of us are at the acorn level. Some of us are at the small tree level. Some of us at the oak tree level. You're influential. You're making your mark on the world and God is using you and you employ many people and or you are designing buildings or whatever it might be. You're at that stage. I just want to say to you that God promises you a new name to make you a pillar in his church and to give you a crown. Can you say amen to that? Folks, as we close today, just go on to the last slide. I always believe that you're talking about having a meal together. You don't serve up a meal and nobody eats. I mean, the best time of a meal is preparing it and then eating it. So I want to put a question to you this morning. What vision, what door is God calling you to go through? Sometimes we've got to look at it in its complexity. If we look at an organization, there are ideas, there are people, and ultimately you have to get to a place to say, church, This is what we need to do now. Or as an individual, just like you, Daryl, years ago. Dr. Martin, I need you to translate these studies of mine and put them into theological studies because this is what I need to do. And we did it. You get the idea. And folks, don't forget, a door of opportunity has opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. There are many obstacles to going through a door. Don't be discouraged by the obstacles. Don't be discouraged by the adversary. What door are you going through? The Apostle Paul reached the door. I preached at college the other day. And sitting right up front, right here while I was speaking, there was a young man. And I've been part of his encouragement. His father was an Anglican clergyman. And he was a mixed-up kid in Euternague, Eastern Cape. And he went to live in the inner city of Port Elizabeth, near the church where Wendy and I and the family served together, Trinity Baptist Church. And one day he saw this church, and he saw people standing outside. And he saw there was a multi-group, multinational people standing outside and he thought, well, I can also go there. He went there, connected with the pastor, suddenly responded one day, was baptized in that church and started to discover that God wanted him to go through the same door his father went but it was a door on the other side of the hall, and he went through that door, and he just graduated last year, and in fact, he's been appointed to a church in Germany. He came especially to be part of the worship team, and I put my hand on his shoulder, and I said to him, you're a young man, with a lot of strength I wish I had the strength and the future that you have because for me I'm a lot more in Second Timothy chapter 4 I think some of you know exactly what we are talking about for me it's a different season it's a different time for me some things are finished, some things are done that doesn't mean to say, I am done. I'm still fighting a fight. I'm still running a race. I'm still keeping the faith. Those are doors I've been called to walk through. And if I can be one, Romans chapter 1 to anybody here this morning, and that is... That I might impart some spiritual gift to you, that is, that you and I might be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. If I can encourage you to find the door and walk through it, and then get this church behind you. And just because it happens to be in science doesn't mean to say you can't pray about it at your prayer meeting and to pray about it at your home group. Mind the gap. Mind your step, because God wants to give to people who feel small. And notice how worthy used the word feel, because you're not small to God, but we feel small. He wants to give you a big vision. Let's pray together. Just a few moments of silence. And maybe the Lord has nudged somebody here this morning. And He's saying to you, I'm opening to you a door which no one can shut. If you're needing prayer to either find the door, walk through the door, or be encouraged through the door, I'm going to ask you just to take a stand this morning and just stand up where you are. And I'm going to ask this church to pray for you. And just stay standing. Several people. Any more would like to just be prayed for specifically? See, even the time it's taking means the Lord is saying something and you're responding to it. Lord, specifically for those who are standing, I pray your encouragement for them. I pray, dear God, that they would sense your love for them, your care for them, and exactly what to do and when to do it. I pray for this church and I pray for its future. You have great things for this church. You've already done great things. But the story of the latter days will be far greater than the former days. Pray for the leadership of this church. Pray for everyone who leads a connect group, for everyone who leads a prayer group, for everyone who handles the administration. Lord, put your hand upon them, I pray. For you have a great vision for this community. Because your vision is as big as the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And this we pray together, in Jesus' name, and Amen.